0: Seth Walker is an American electric blues singer, guitarist, and songwriter. He's getting set to release his eleventh album. I hope I know. I had a conversation with Seth about that album, his music, and a moment that changed his life.
1: Yeah, Guy Clark absolutely changed changed uh, changed my life when I saw him at Pootie's Hilltop one time uh, with with uh, Daryl Scott and Verlin Thompson. Oh, that I night alone, that, that night alone probably transformed me just about more than any moment in my life. I pledge allegiance, pledge allegiance,
0: pledge allegiance to real country music. This is Red Dirt America with Chuck Taylor. Thank you for taking the time to uh, to do the interview. My pleasure. Let's talk about uh, your new album that's coming out. Uh, mm-hmm. I hope I know I can. This is going to be what, your 11th studio album? Uh, Yes, 11 studio albums. I have a, I have a live album
1: that makes 12, but 11 studio. Yep.
0: Yeah, so you you produced um you did a lot of the uh, the stuff or you did some mixing I guess on the last one. Uh, and I know you've used uh the Wood Brothers to produce your album before. Who who produced this one? It's John O'Rix. It's the this is our third one together. He is a
1: Wood Brother. He is not technically a uh, Wood Brother, but he is a Wood Brother. He is the drummer. He is the drummer of the Wood Brothers. So this is our third effort. Um, got to get back was the first one as are you open second one and this is this is our third one I hope I know
0: so you know working with somebody like that who who knows you and then obviously working with the Wood Brothers too who know you pretty well Um, are they able to get things out of you that maybe other producers can't get out of you because they do know you so well
1: well I definitely think that you know you know, in in the process of those three albums, obviously we've gotten to know each other really well. Uh, good, bad, and the ugly. Um, we he we have grown to. You know, I guess with that, you know, the personal connection that we have obviously spills over into the music connection because um, we we get we get more comfortable with one another, uh, and we have you know gained some trust in each other. Much of it, <laughs> um, he is the the great thing about Jono that I've discovered as opposed to some of my other producers. Um, one of one of one of his attributes is that he he doesn't really produce with an iron fist. You know, he doesn't really. I mean, yes, we're going in prepared, but he doesn't necessarily have a preconceived notion of what the album should or shouldn't be. And I think that in itself is the kind of environment I want to be in when I'm making art.
0: <laughs> right. Well, you know, and, and especially music, because I've always had this theory that music is uh, a living, breathing thing. Songs are living and breathing, and they, and they change and they evolve over time. Uh, yeah. Even, you know, even the Eagles, when they put out Hell Freezes Over and they changed to Hotel California, people were kind of shocked at first, but the song changed. It evolved over time, and they'd played it so many times the old way before before they reinvented it and reinvented themselves uh, yeah do you feel that when you get into the studio maybe and you talked about he doesn't have any preconceived notions do you have some ideas of how how the song will go before you get into the studio and then it kind of takes on a life of its own when it gets in there
1: yeah of course i mean when i when i write the tune i've got a, a shape of it right you know i've got a structure i've got a melody i've got a obviously the lyrics for the most part i've got uh, a, a groove in mind but man <laughs> there was many times in this damn record where where you are when we got in there some ju- some just wasn't working some you you really don't know until you put some microphones in front of you yeah how it's going to work right? right and um i remember there was a few uh like uh this there's a track on that record called Satisfy My Mind. And it was it was originally a kind of a uh really up tempo thing. And then we started to mess with it, and turns out that we needed to slow it really, really down. And then I think that's when the song started to to peak peak through. Um so to answer your question, y- yes. So you have to be um Open to what um, to something that you're not necessarily prepared for, and and being being okay with
0: that is probably is probably the trick. You know, you have you have to be loose with it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I I teach on the uh, the side, and I teach an audio production class and a, a commercial recording class, mm. and 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 we talk about the fact that you know so much of the performance that the artist does in the studio is a major part of how the songs have find their groove and how they develop but sometimes while you're sitting there mixing it you can find something that is an interest element in the song and you emphasize that just a little bit and it takes the song from being good to being great and it's just finding that one little thing that makes the song just kind of shout mm mm-hmm. yeah it
1: yeah, interesting and 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 you can find that little thing that you're talking about in so many so many different um stages of the song of recording it mixing it right etc right uh, and I think that happened a lot with I mean our mixing engineer Mike Poole um there were some things that he he uh spotlighted and made shine through that we weren't <laughs> that we were pleasantly surprised to to hear what he brought to the to the table with it.
0: Yeah, so so much of so much of songs, you know, is is a creative effort, and it's a team effort because it, it, it you have the artist involved, but then you do get the producer, and as you just mentioned, you know, the the engineer will sometimes get involved as well, and that's how those things kind of take life. Ab- absolutely, and it was.
1: The thing that probably was a little different in this recording, it was a smaller circle, uh, all, you know, mainly because due to the limitations of, of COVID and everything, I and mean, it was just Jonu and I in there. You know, my previous records, I've had a full band. So it was just the two of us hashing it out. And I think that looking back on it now, I think that those limitations really helped us approach this record, you know, in a new way, um, at least it, 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 it helped me not chase it so aggressively. I had to go slower.
0: Like we, that. we all had to, had to, had to start approaching things in a new way during COVID. Um, and, and I know artists did too. Um, did you participate in, in the online streaming and the live streaming? Because, you know, you were kind of taken off the road. Every, every artist was, um, and you had to find some way to make a living, especially if, if being an artist was your, your total livelihood. Did, did you, uh, did you find yourself kind of reinventing yourself during that time?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, was it, it. yeah to 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 start with your first question um i did do lots of facebook live and instagram live conjures and that you know that kept me you know somewhat saner (laughs) and uh you know connected me with the with the with my fans and 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 financially that you know i had i've got amazing fans and they helped me you know they took me well kept kept me uh kept groceries going and um but I think, uh, uh, well, actually, I'll, I'll I'll continue with that. Is another thing that I found myself doing was writing. I wrote a book. I don't know if 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 Kevin told you that, but I wrote a book called Your Van Is On Fire. No, he didn't tell me that. He, yeah that that was that was my COVID project. Um, in addition to the to the record, this kind of came right before. I hope I know. I you know I, I had dabbled. In poetry and some, you know, little essays here and there, but nothing serious. But I found myself (laughs) staring out, staring out my window, you know, uh, and just started writing, writing some things down of my of my, uh, my upbringing, my musical upbringing, my family and and all these crazy stories from the road and ended up writing a memoir.
0: Wow, I, I'm going to have to uh, I'm going to have to get a copy of that and and read that um, because you probably and and you can correct me if I'm wrong. You probably talk about some of your time when you were living here in Texas in that as well. Because I'm, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean you worked with you worked with some great people when you were here in Texas. Uh, your songs have appeared on albums from uh, Asleep at the Wheel, um, The Mavericks, Gary Nicholson, Matt Powell, um, Whitey Jones, or or Johnson, excuse me. Uh, yeah, Whitey Johnson. Whitey Johnson, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, yeah. Texas, I, I would I would imagine, um, as it is for a lot of the musicians who come here, even though you didn't start here, uh, it becomes a big part of your musical story because this is the one state where you could just tour Texas and make a really good living. Yeah, a lot of people do that. I, I, and I
1: did that for, I mean, I moved to Austin, in 1995. And it was, it was a, a, a blind leading the blind pilgrimage for me in my Volkswagen van coming out here with my little Stratocaster cause I was so eaten up with Stevie Ray Vaughan. I wanted to go drink the water. So I, I came down here and I spent, I guess I was here till, uh, about 14 years. Wow! These are these are all of my formative years as far as you know, a, a, you know, becoming a professional musician, professional songwriter, and band leader. And the tech, you're right. There's this there's this language down here that, in many aspects, but it's, uh, you know, I'm talking about the musical language that I've carried with me. That's probably the cornerstone uh, of of my music. That's carried me through.
0: Yeah, there there's something about I, I would say something about Texas music. I mean, we go from everything from uh Western Swing, which was invented by Bob Wills, to yeah. to, you know, rock, you know, to to uh to Willie Nelson and country to, to blues and guys like Ray Wiley Hubbard and uh and you know Oh yeah. Ray, oh, well, you know. Yeah, man,
1: it goes on and on. I mean, T-Bone Walker was, yes. you know, was my number, is my number one influence. Uh, um, just just his command and his just his rhythm and his timing and his, uh, you know, he's a snake around the beat. Um, T-Bone, gate mouth. Uh, yeah, Bob Wills. I mean, Willie Nelson, you speak of Willie, he was the first. Uh, there's a, there's a great story in my book about opening for Willie and New Braunfels, but, um, he was the first person I think I heard on a record when I was probably, you know, five or six years old that, that I actually felt I could, I'll never forget it. It was like something, I was feeling something coming out of the speakers that was, I, I knew was, was touching me. Something magical, right? something yeah i mean the guy is a the, the guy is like he's like a um he's like an element like yeah, like dirt or, or water you know like you know it's like he, it's just like something intangible you know like a periodic table
0: yeah it's like we say in texas god bless willie nelson i mean that's that's like almost at the dinner table prayer all, all the time <laughs> that's true so that's true. And, and the and the fans here are a big part of that too, because the Texas music scene is is like no other. And and again, yeah. I'm sure you, when you were here and 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 part of that scene, uh, and and you still come back and you tour. As a matter of fact, you've got a show coming up on the 19th at the Kessler. But the fans here really support the music like no other scene anywhere in the United States. It is true. It is true.
1: I mean, it it it. it I'll I'll never forget just. Um, you know, when I first started going get, getting into this, it was like um, swing dancing was real popular in the late '90s. You know, and yeah. I would get all these people coming out to dance. You know, and I, I really, and I, you know, I, that you, you know getting them to dance, and that you know that whole dance took is a culture here, obviously. You know, the Texas thing, and they're just. They feel that music, don't they? I mean, it's just—it's just—it's—it's it's part of the—it's like part of the air
0: they breathe. Yeah, it, it, really it is. It, it's crazy how how much they're into it. Um, I did just mention the Kessler, the nineteenth. Um, I'm sure that when you're playing there, folks going to hear some stuff off the new album. Yeah. Um What yeah. are you most looking forward to about playing a place like the Kessler? Because that's really. A, a listening room, right? It's really the kind of place where people, when when they, it's not like anywhere else. Like I said, you know, you go into someplace else and you'll have people having conversations while the music's going on. But when you go to a place like the Kessler, they just all shut up and pay attention.
1: Well, they do. I mean, that's, it's one of the, it's, it's one of the best founding rooms that I play in this, in the States. Um, there, and it's, it's got the perfect mixture of, like you said, a listening room. But it doesn't feel stuffy or uptight you know some of these listening rooms it's like it's 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 un- kind of uncomfortable but that place no <laughs> wow well, we've got the perfect mixture of both of those things because it's kind of loose right but people are paying attention I, I I love playing the Kessler. yeah I'm stoked to do it and I'll be playing some songs off the new record I'll be playing and I'll be playing some oldies I'll be playing some of the things that I wrote when I lived here.
0: So, so far, there have been three songs coming off, off the new album, um, and this is kind of the new way people release stuff, too. Everything's released digitally these days, and it comes out sometimes well before the album, and sometimes you'll get all the singles before the album itself even physically comes out. Yeah. What, can we, what, kind of, what kind of stories can we look for on this album? Because, you know, as a storyteller and a songwriter, you know, you want to create an album that takes you on a journey
1: yeah well um i think i mean the 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 first track the first single you mentioned is called the future and what it used to be which is pretty much you know as all this went down was staring me in the face of what i where i thought i was or where i thought i was headed and um and i had you know my whole life kind of 180 i was living in nashville and you know it forced us all to to look through a you know a magnifying glass yeah and uh and I was a lot of things I needed to address and and you know personal relationships and and things of that nature as well as just anxiety and stuff and I ended up moving to the mountains in Asheville North Carolina is where my family and all is so the record to get back to your question the record kind of has this um search kind of i'm searching and i'm surrendering to things that i don't may i may not quite understand ever i think that's probably uh you know that's the trick of the acceptance stuff so it's a mixture of those kind of tones uh the record's called i hope i know um and so it's kind of you know it's 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 not a, a it's a it's a slower record it's you know it's not I wouldn't call it the feel-good hit of the summer. (laughs) It's a very, it's a a very, it's a late night record. It's, um, uh, it's a slow burn. And I think uh, what I love about it is that it forced me the whole, the whole time, the whole record forced me to just really slow down. I'm singing softer than I ever have, less air, and there's more actual space yeah. inside the whole record so i think that might be a, a metaphor metaphorical uh metaphorically speaking as well as sonically
0: it sounds like it's one of those albums that you pour yourself a glass of bourbon you turn the lights down low and you sit back turn it on and just listen that'll work that'll, <laughs> work. <laughs> that'll work so l- let me ask you this you know i I, yeah. I mentioned that uh you know you've worked with guys like gary nicholson the wood brothers and and many others your songs appeared on albums what's left on your bucket list hmm.
1: well let's see um well gosh i mean I, I don't i don't have a plan it's like the no plan plan i call it uh it's with, which this <laughs> record was kind of like that um i don't have i i i think I would definitely like to write more. Uh, I think I might have another another book in me. Yurvana's on fire too. Maybe that'll come out next. I think, but uh, musically, uh, I think I would like to do a more blues guitar oriented record. Uh, and this is like my first record I did in in Austin. Uh, was just my self titled record, and it was like Kim Wilson was featured on that record and it was more of a, it was, it was songwriting, but it was more of a blues, you know, a nod right, to it. And I, you know, that, and I've kind of, you know, and I've lived in all these different cities, Nashville and New Orleans and New York and now Asheville. So I've been kind of, I've been pulled, um, stylistically. Um, and I'm thankful for that, but I think I would like to do a little return. Uh, to a blues record. Maybe that's what will come out next. We'll see what happens.
0: Be nice. I, I look forward yeah. to that. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
1: God. Oh, let's see. Um, um, probably some kind of my, something my father might have told me. Uh, be, like bend and you shall be straight.
0: Okay. I, I can see that. That's, that's, yeah, you know, it's, I
1: mean, that's, some. I think that's some old, like uh Chinese proverb <laughs> stuff, but it's like, it is, I think it's from the Tao Te Ching, but it's like, you know, when, when just being rigid in any aspect of your life, it's you're, you're bound to be brittle, you know? Yeah. So,
0: yeah. I, I want to, uh, talk about coming out of COVID for a second because uh, we, we talked about how everything changed during that and, and everybody went to online streaming. Mm. Coming out of COVID, did it feel like a uh, kind of a musical rebirth because you're getting back out on stage and now instead of seeing thumbs up and, and hearts or, or whatever you see on the screen, you're getting that, <laughs> that interaction from the crowd again. You're, you're hearing the crowd sing your songs back to you again. Was that a good feeling? Oh, God. Yes, man. I mean,
1: I mean, that's the whole thing. But I mean, that's the that's the one reason why or a, a main reason why I do this is because none of this is mine. I don't you know, I don't own any of this. This is this is a it is a two way street. It's a it's a it's a circle. And when that circle is not there, um, it seems pretty one sided and it feels alone. And when you're, when you can connect, I'd really, I mean, I haven't had that many gigs, you know, so this is, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready. To, I've got a, I've got a serious schedule coming up, Chuck. And I really look forward to that, to that feeling because it, it, isn't it astounding how, how universal it is and how people connect to this stuff?
0: Yeah. It, and it- yeah. It's like Johnny and June sang, "Will the circle be unbroken?"
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, man. Exactly, and it's it it makes the thing um it it makes it what's the word like float. It makes it buoyant, and uh, and each and each night tonight is a different energy, and I look forward to that too. You know, where the moon is, where the moon isn't. You know, and each night to trying to try to to try to find that channel and disarm myself and disarm the audience so we can all be one thing. Sounds kind of hippie, but it's true, right?
0: It's it's definitely <laughs> true. There's there it is. If if you really, truly, truly love music and you have a passion for it, you can feel that. You, there's there's that moment when the artist is on stage performing and you're in the crowd, and everything is all, all one. It's, it's a symbiotic relationship. Sure is. It yes, sure is. I want to close out asking one last question, and you can think about this for a moment if you'd like to. Uh, yeah. What song changed your life? Oh, what song
1: changed my life? I don't think anybody's ever asked me that. Junk, damn it. Ah, uh, let's <laughs> <laughs> uh What song changed my life? Um, let me think about this for two seconds here. Um, well, when I think of a song, though, not, not, not a performance, but a song.
0: Yeah. You're asking me? Well, you know, and it, and it could be one of yours. It could be somebody else's, but I usually find that there's a song that, that had an effect on especially on musicians that that inspired them and, and changed their life and mm-hmm. and 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 put them on a on a path that got them to where they are. Huh.
1: Well, gosh, you know it it might be. I mean, we touched on that. We or I said something earlier about that. This this Willie Nelson, um, and the 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 blue eyes crying in the rain that song. I remember, I remember vividly that song as a kid. I mean, little did I know that I would end up being in the music business and move to Texas where he's from, but there's something about his, that song in particular. I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is, why it's, why it's coming to me right now, but, um, and the way he delivers such a thing yeah. <laughs> There's this, this, uh, oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, I, I, I guess I would, I guess I would go with that one, man. Either that or a, um, a Guy Clark tune, uh, stuff that works. Oh, wow. That's a if great I, if song. I could, if I could pick two, I think that one and they kind of cover two different territories. Um, yeah, Guy Clark absolutely changed changed uh, changed my life when I saw him at Pootie's Hilltop one time uh, with with uh, Daryl Scott and Verlon Thompson. That I night alone, th- that night alone, probably transformed me just about more than any moment in my life.
0: That probably, yeah, I would say that that had to be a transformative moment right there. It
1: was. It completely, completely was. I actually wrote a piece about it in my book called Pootie's. It's about that night. <laughs>
0: Well, I look forward to getting to read the book. The album is called I Hope I Know. And uh, I I think we've got to know a little bit more about you during this. So uh, I hope we know some more. And we certainly love the music. Seth Walker, thank you so much, man. My pleasure, Chuck. Take care. You too. Yeah, man. See you. If you enjoyed this episode of Red Dirt America, make sure you like and subscribe so you won't miss any more episodes. And if you'd like to, leave a review. We'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks, and we'll see you down the road.